0: This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by campus 2 Canton. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike B. This is my co-host, Corey P. We are continuing our conference series with the Big 12, who are expanding this year and getting rid of divisions, so we have some extra teams to talk about. And, and before we go on to that, by the way, it, it was originally 10 teams. So the Big 12 had 10 teams, and the Big 10 has more than 10 teams. So like I like I hope they rebrand because they should have done that stuff years ago. It's a problem with me. Okay? You can't
1: rebrand right. now. Now it's just like tradition. I just have to leave it. That's no. just yeah.
0: No, <laughs> you can't just change
1: it every year, every time a new team comes. We're trying here. to expand
0: college fantasy football. We can't be doing that with the big twelve having 14 teams and the big ten having I think also 14 teams now. I'm not sure. We'll get to that section later but uh that that stuff that need that pisses me off i don't know casual fans are just gonna yeah all right anyway we'll move on from that but we're breaking down each team's new coaching changes and their impact debbie assets for each position group and we're looking at long-term and short-term options here but as always first cory with the news
1: so I went around kind of looking. It's been pretty quiet um, you know, on the news front during this soft season. We're definitely in that dead period. But we've got a couple injury updates coming out uh, so far. Um, we've got Devin Brown, Ohio State quarterback. Um, he's resuming throwing after having a hand surgery in spring. Um, so he'll be ready to kind of try to push for that job again. Uh, come the summertime, uh, Michigan running back Blake Corum, he's expected to be a full go for summer, so no limitations on him. He's apparently going to be ready to to start Week One and receive his full workload. Um, so we'll see how that breaks down. And then I found this kind of interesting. I I dug a little bit. Um, found an interview with uh, Clemson running back Will Shipley. Okay, he named. Um, sophomore wide receiver Adam Randall as a player to watch out for this year. And the article went on to, you know, talk about Randall a little bit and, and what's been going on. And apparently his his knee procedure that he had this spring was actually on his non-ACL repaired knee. I'm not sure if I think that's a good thing or if I think that's a bad thing. Does that mean he has two bad knees now? Um, it, it's kind of a blessing to know that it wasn't at least on that knee. Um, but, uh, maybe the other one was compensating for the other one. And now he kind of had something to clean up there. So at least maybe something kind of bright, at least to know that it wasn't at least that, that, that surgically repaired knee there. Um, and then just one quick transfer portal update for you. That's Zachary Franklin. He's officially committed to Ole Miss, um, one of our favorite G5 wide receivers from from UTSA. He's jumping up to the power five now. We're going to kind of have to see how the transition will happen for him, jumping up to the power five. We've seen some success stories. We've seen some failure stories. So um, either way, Ole Miss needs a receiver, and and this guy could potentially fill that number one role for them. So um, just a reminder, guys, that we did just relieve – release the Devi guide on may 1st uh, 247 profiles advanced stats rankings uh, year one zero. everything you need to attack those drafts this off season it's a $20 one-time purchase or become a member with, with one of our many subscription options at the website at campuscanton.com some of which include access to this guide as well as our supplemental and freshman guides that help you out during this season as well as the upcoming cff guide that's going to help you um, attack those drafts coming up in the summer and access to all the awesome tools you see posted all over twitter that everybody uses so um, make sure you guys are Check out the family of podcasts and the YouTube channel um, to make sure you guys are keeping up to date with everything that's going on throughout the off season. I had some time to calm down.
0: They're getting four teams to make it 14 and they're subtracting two teams with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. So they're actually down to 12 next year. So it actually all makes sense now. So I mean, I'm someone big brain that thing like 10 years ago. Um, so we're all good. Crisis averted. Um Speaking of other stuff, that's a little bit embarrassing, Corey. I, I don't like listen to too many other podcasts. I thought this was an original idea to do conference breakdowns, and then all of a sudden, yeah. start to listening to other people's podcast. Everyone, everyone's doing it. I feel naive. I feel like a five year old. I'm just it's like a bit you know, naive of you. Yeah, that I thought <laughs> I was like, "You, we got this. It's original." Like, I I really did. I was like, "We're so OG." Um, yeah, but we're not. So yeah. sorry, listeners. Um, I do want to share a quick story. My my wife is my grandma's favorite child. The whole Valerie family dead to her. She likes Rachel. She loves my wife. My wife loves antique stuff. They have like the same style. And like you know, she go visit my grandma. And she's like, oh yeah, this is Victorian. And then my grandma's like, you know where this is from? And she's all like, that's nineteenth century. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> she became my grandma's favorite after like two visits because she knew all this vintage stuff. She even offered her this giant, full size like Victorian mirror that my mom's i guess wanted since like childhood i had no idea and she's just like oh rachel you know what when i pass away you can have this okay my mom pulled my wife aside and was like listen here you little shit you're not getting that mirror it's mine <laughs> but the moral of the story <laughs> is if you want to get in with the old people you got to buy vintage stuff they love that stuff okay home field apparel home field apparel is now the official well, we have a sponsor. I'm not sure if it's the official, but it's the sponsor right now, Campus Can. And you can buy your old colleges, T-shirts, I mean, all like retro stuff from the 60s to 50s. Old school, like logos, if your team switched logos, they have that at home field apparel. 15% off with the promo code CAMPUS, the number two, and then CANTON. Support them, support us. Um, find some stuff to become your grandparents' best friend. Uh, also, like you know, if if you need to get close in with like your girlfriend or boyfriend's like father or mother, buy them some of that vintage stuff. That will bring them back to the good old days. Like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember this shirt slamming down the original Four loco. Vintage stuff is pretty awesome, guys. Go check out Home Field Apparel. Look at those old school school logos. Everything that's in style comes back around again.
1: So, Corey, are you are you gonna buy anything? They have
0: anything for Canadians up there
1: for Home Field Apparel? Um, uh, I don't know I, have, I don't even know if they if they ship over here I haven't even ordered anything from there yet but uh, I'm gonna have to look now that we've got this this promo code um, and that once again is campus the number two and Canton all one word. don't spell out the number two it's the number two right in the middle there campus to Canton get fifteen percent off on your home field apparel purchase today all right let's let's get into it. I didn't know how to
0: divide this up because we got rid of divisions, so I decided to make today's team, the barbecue states. And I'm talking about Oklahoma and Texas. And I'm not going to put my opinion out there of which state is better because I know that's a sore topic. Um, but we are going over all the teams in the Big 12 that are in Kansas and Texas. Oh, wait, I say, Kansas. oh, and Kansas. I'm putting Kansas, Oklahoma. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> you will just have to listen to find out.
1: Oh, my God.
0: This is, we're off to a good start, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk TCU. New OC, Kendall Bryles comes in. Garrett Riley is gone. Kendall Bryles comes from Arkansas. He was their OC the last three years. So 2019, before that, he was Florida State's OC. 2018, he was Houston's OC. 2017, FAU's OC. and 2015 to 2016, he was Baylor's OC in the glory days. Now, Kendall Bryles is a Art Bryles disciple from from Baylor that runs the veer and shoot system. It's simple and just really effective. Uh, The QB challenges the defense downfield. Extremely effective in the run game and it features one or two receivers that generally have elite speeds. Look for speedsters here. Garrett Riley was the uh, Bryles Award winner. It's it's difficult. It's a difficult coach to follow, but Bryles has proven his ability to produce high-end fantasy assets. Now
1: QB. Corey, is there any QB here you care about for, for Debbie value? No, I don't think that there is. And I was going to say, they really have nothing here even in the pipeline in terms of Debbie value. You know, like all low-rank guys, all small guys that don't really fit the bill of like – an NFL quarterback. They got some work to do to this roster in general. And we'll get a little bit more into it. And I know Kendall Browse coming in as the OC. I think Sony Dykes probably has his fingerprint all over this offense. Anyways, it'll probably be some kind of mix of them as well. But um, I mean, I guess we can take a look at the starter, which is going to be Chandler Morris, the guy who won the uh, the job out of camp last year before getting injured in week two. Um, and then, you know, Max Dugan took over and never looked back now enters, you know, as the starter this year, I think he has three potential years of eligibility. I left. Um, we know Dykes offense, you know, sees the quarterbacks at least put up some pretty good numbers each year. But again, Morris is still really small, 5'11", 6-foot range, um, you know, buck 90 soaking wet. So there's just really not any real NFL potential here. But there's some C2C upside here for, for quarterbacks that are going to put up a lot of points for you.
0: Watching that spring game was kind of surprising. He has a smaller quarterback who kind of threw it to the big bodies, but like in the short and intermediate area, which typically you don't see that for shorter quarterbacks. Shorter meaning like below six foot two. Yeah. Um, so very surprised about that. Thought he would challenge vertically more. Um, so I don't think he's that fantastic of a passer either. But I, I'm with you. Like I don't even think he's a day
1: three guy. Again, I'm not even sure if he's a UDFA.
0: No, so, I mean, what was Max
1: Dugan? <laughs> Max Dugan got drafted super late, didn't he? Like, late yeah, like, late, late day, day three to the yeah, Chargers. So- and that guy has size, at least, and a little bit of mobility to him and stuff. I don't know what Chandler Morris's calling card would even be at the next level. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, let's head over to the wide receivers. Yeah, um,
0: let's start off with the vet coming in from Alabama, JoJo Earl. I've speak spoken. I've, well, actually, am about to speak about it too. But I've spoken poorly about JoJo Earl in the past, so I kind of want you to start off talking
1: about JoJo Earl. Do you still believe in him? Do you still think it's a Debbie asset? you know i looked it up actually you know in preparation for this show i kind of looked up at like what the projected depth charts are like right now um they're lo- they're putting Savion williams at x which is you know a veteran wide receiver over there taking over the qj role um probably not a guy that we're super concerned with for debbie uh, a guy named blake Noel at, at the z spot not a guy that i we, that we're super concerned with john paul richardson is apparently starting in the slot and then they list jojo earl at the h wide receiver which you don't really see used very often it's Kind of like he didn't solidify a starting role this this off season, right? Like, it's like there there was, parts we even went over it during the off season that they were trying they're, they're trying to maximize his potential. That was a lot of like the words I was like, trying to get the best out of him, trying to get the the talent that we know is in there. And for some reason, it's like he just doesn't seem to be able to refine his craft as as a wide receiver. He's very athletic, very good mover, so there's upside there in that sense. But we're heading on year three now where we're going to have to see something kind of happen here, and the buzz has been really quiet out of the spring, so I don't really know what to do with him. He's not a guy that I ever feel great about taking in any kind of drafts.
0: Yeah, read between the coaching, the coach speak, read between the lines, the way you kind of said it, where they're like, we're trying to find a place to fit him. It's like, that's yeah. code for, he's not
1: doing well where he's at. You know yeah and then giving him like the 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 nominal h wide receiver role like it's like something special like 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 half the teams don't even use that like i mean <laughs> so it's just like trying to give him some 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 love Give yeah, there's guess, someone but, uh, a big
0: title for their like equal attention so they don't
1: feel bad about them yeah yeah something like that so i don't i, I there's still some hope here i still think just based on talent, I guess, you know, we'll get into a freshman later that probably is probably maybe the most talented in this room if he hits a ceiling. But other than him, he's probably the guy with the biggest upside here if you didn't want to take a shot in this room. Yeah, the guy that was the main target
0: for the spring, John Paul Richardson. really unimpressive, uh, really wasn't looked like a tight end out there to me, actually, uh, definitely mm-hmm. not the 180 pounds listed. I think he's more like 220, but he definitely was looking like a tight end out there. No one was that athletically amazing, but. Uh, we did mention athletes shining in the Kendall O'Brien system and Cordell Russell almost has shoulder surgery coming back from a collarbone break, which is a very fast bone to heal from. I, I had a free floating collarbone. My break was really bad snowboarding and I think I was back to like physical activity after like three to four months and his was not nearly as bad as mine. So he was already posting videos of him high pointing the ball like he seems fine. Full extension two upwards like that. He's fine. So he'll be ready to go probably by summer, not even by, like before the season. And he is fast. He's he's a six foot two, six foot three guy with twenty two point five miles per hour speed. I mean, he's fast. He's he's an alpha sized guy with speed and a really great high school production profile. I have him right now as a tier two guy, like middle of my tier two wide receivers. Um, and I'm pretty excited about him. I just drafted him actually in this supplemental draft
1: at the uh two oh four. Tier two freshman wide receivers or tier two actual wide receivers, like overall? Yeah. Yeah. Freshman. Freshman. Okay. Yeah, freshman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you I got to subtract
0: one tier when, until they start doing something. So uh, tier three overall, but tier two is a freshman.
1: Yeah. You're definitely a little bit higher on him than I am. I see a little bit of a raw size speed freak that, you know, we're going to have to kind of have to hope molds a little bit like that. I'm still pretty high on him. He's still a top 10 guy for me, but, um, I guess we're looking at, you know, I mentioned Savion Williams, who's probably going to be the X role wide receiver, uh, this year, at least he's getting up there. I believe he's a senior this year. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that, but I think he's a senior this year. And he really hasn't done anything like super special to this point. There could be a scenario where a guy like Russell, if he kind of gets his feet under him or he can kind of push for that outside role at some point this year. You know, which is which is part of the reason we liked him too, because we thought that there was some opportunity here um, for him to possibly make some noise in year one and break some of those year one zero thresholds.
0: Yeah. So I and I I think he does. Do you think he breaks the year one zero threshold?
1: I hope so. I don't think that this, this room is very talented overall. So like, I think even if he gets in, you know, at the Z, even if he gets in, in the slot once in a while, like I think there's going to be plenty of times. I'm just, I just don't know where this team is headed. Like I think last year they were in so many close games. It came right down to the wire. So it was a lot of,
0: he's getting hurt against them too. Yeah, So so
1: it was always passing, passing, passing where, I don't know how bad they're going to be this year or or not be. It, It seems like a lot of turnover at this roster. Let's just say it that way sunny dice
0: though always has fun rosters like for offense like i don't know yeah like, it's hard to bet against sunny dice's offenses i'm not sure about the whole team as a whole but the offense though uh, i'm with you now let's go to running back though uh we had trey sanders i believe he was a five star like three years ago
1: yeah uh, number, number one in 2019 i believe
0: yeah transferred in looked like he got the majority well he definitely got the majority of the run uh in the spring game are you
1: are we looking at any of the running backs here for tcu Uh, No, I mean, you've got Monty Bailey, who had a little bit of hype last year. Probably more of a CFF hype, C2C type hype uh, for him. Trey Sanders is probably the one guy you're going to look at. Um, I'm probably going to tell you that you probably don't need to. um, But if you feel like you want to take that chance, he's like dirt cheap in drafts right now anyways. But, you know, he was the number one back. He was an Alabama guy. But again, injuries start to pile up. I think he lost almost two years to injuries now. And he's never look the same since the injuries like people want to talk about people turning like battleships like trey sanders turns like a battleship now like he's he doesn't have any lateral agility that that he had in that high school tape i'm not sure if you know a few more years removed from his injuries that he'll look a little bit better now in this system and maybe they'll figure out a way to get the best out of him the best kind of role maybe make put him in more one cut situations get downhill quicker i think he's more verging on the edge of a power back now if i were to kind of classify him as something. oh yeah 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 for sure yeah it's just weird to look at tcu and be like the only guy we care about for
0: debbie is Cordell russell yeah,
1: yeah that and that, that's what i was saying by looking at this there's so, so much weird. turnover at this roster like there's just and there's not a lot of like high high-end guys one guy i did notice though but do you know who they have at tight end oh man they collected a few i give me the name i know it's gonna come to me no, it's jack beck from lsu <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they got it. So that's six two two hundred and ten pound tight end. But did what did you call him? When, or no, what did I call him? Hunter Renfro of tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so maybe he'll find a little bit of a role there. But again, yeah, it's... just there's just not a lot of guys here. His freshman tape really was so fun to watch. Yeah. Um,
0: all right, let's head on over to Houston. Uh, new OC Dane Holgerson, um, and the previous OC is uh, Shane Shannon. Shannon Dawson goes over to Miami. Uh, we can safely assume Horgerson is going to be very involved in the direction of this offense under Dawson. Uh, there are also some indications that Horgerson actually took over play-calling duties a month into the season. Um, we can see it kind of like a change. Um, yeah. And after stating that that in a press conference, the offense actually improved by eight points per game for the remainder of the season. Um, so really we're not expecting much of a change with the loss of Dawson. It should just be the same old, same old for Houston. Now, QB, we had Clayton Toon. Drafted to uh the Cardinals Arizona. for Arizona. Yeah. Which kind of has some sneaky Debbie uh, dynasty, like um, so honestly, used his first year here. Uh, any any QB currently on Ross that you think is, is Debbie value.
1: Well, I think the one guy, at least who's in our Debbie guide, have got to talk about Donovan Smith coming over from from Texas Tech. Uh, I know our guy Colin likes him a lot. And I, I was kind of big on him last year. Um, as more of a C to C asset when I thought he could be the new quarterback of the Zach Kitley offense. He did flash a little bit before that as well. He's a big kid, um, rifle for an arm, 6'5", 240 pounds, does have some mobility, um, didn't really see it yet, though. He did score like seven touchdowns on the ground last year, a little bit, look okay in some spots. Um, through over 300 passing yards in three of his five starts, multiple touchdowns in every game. So there was a lot of good there. Pretty high completion percentage as well, Um, but then suffered with injuries of his own. And they were kind of going through the quarterback carousel over there. Now, you know, he's going to be going into a pretty high-powered offense that puts a lot of numbers up over here at Houston. Maybe, you know, I kind of made this comparison just thinking about their, their, their trajectories and the type of player they are. Maybe he can be like the new KJ Jefferson. You know, his profile kind of has like some eerily similar comparisons between like the mobility to ask you which one you thought had better um,
0: Debbie value i really was i really was about to ask you which one that's what i was really out of the two yeah like i'm I'm
1: still siding with kj jefferson because i think what he's evolved into i think we still have to see donovan smith evolve into that but i think he's going to be that kind of prospect and he's always going to be a little bit raw and you're always going to kind of be betting on the size the arm and and some of the mobility and stuff but i don't know if he's ever going to really become a refined prospect to become like a day one pick or something like that
0: Houston's always been a fun offense to watch, at least especially in recent times. Not it was fun, too. Like Case Keenum was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, It's just one of those schools where you're like, why can't they have any Devi assets? I mean, they put up the numbers. So Tank Dell just got drafted like last year in the third. Um, So going over to wide receivers here, uh, Matthew Golden is like, I can't say he's undervalued because he's appropriately valued, but he's just like under-talked about, you know? Yes, not that's that, enough. that is the perfect way to put it. He's just not
1: spoken about enough.
0: Yeah. He is my wide receiver five or six, I think, in the class. I'm kind of like teetering with Ted McMillan in front of him. But and it's it's like, I don't know. I think he's so easily projectable to be a day two guy. We love the route running ability. He's always he always mm-hmm. feels like a value. Every single draft you go into, you're like, I'm not reaching here. He's always a value. So I like Matthew Golden. He's got he's got good size. I think he's like six foot one ninety. He's a yep. route runner. He had, I think, he finished the season off with, I think, like two games going over 100 yards out of four for his final like season ending there. Um, and he now he's free of Tank Dell. I think he's primed to have a really big year year two season here. Uh, and then obviously the offense is always fun.
1: Yeah, and Houston getting slapped with the Power Five label now, of course, is going to get a little bit more attention, obviously, than than before. And maybe that's a reason they always didn't have more Devi assets, but now at least joining the Big Twelve, um, they might get a little more attention. But yeah, Matthew Golden's definitely the most exciting guy this offense. Um, you know, seven receiving touchdowns last year. You already talked about the the yardage, six hundred yards through the air. Good enough for a school uh, a school record as a freshman as well. This is a guy that came from. Um, one of the hardest high school competition levels as well. Extremely versatile player, very fluid mover, like you said. Um, and yeah, you're going to be walking into that Tank Dell role that saw be that, that saw him be uber productive over the past two years, get day two draft capital. And now I think Golden ceilings much higher than Tank Dell. He's my wide receiver 12 right now, I think, overall in Debbie. Um, he's one of my biggest buys this off offseason. I just did a, a buy show with Brandon LeJune of the Debbie Dashboard. He was one of my buys this off season. It's Again, it's because I feel like people are kind of afraid to – to to buy in fully you know what i mean i'm not, stop dipping your toes in go get yourself some matthew golden
0: i got him at 13 i love it though i love the call
1: yeah. <laughs> i
0: really do uh he's got like good yak ability too um which obviously Tank Dell did as well um but sorry i just looked at the spreadsheet there talk about the freshmen coming in now i don't really care about anybody else in this roster besides the freshmen they bring in a really nice group of recruits jonah wilson who also got an offer from ohio state early on mm-hmm. uh that's, your, that's I think you're the bigger fan of him out of the two of us, but I like him too. And then you have uh, Makai Harrison-Pilot, who was labeled as a safety for quite a few people, but he's going to play wide receiver for Houston. He is their fourth highest recruited recruit, I think, the last 10 years, something crazy like that. Haven't heard any news of him. I'm actually pretty positive he's not even on campus yet. But these are the two true freshmen I keep an eye on, and I feel pretty good about one of these guys hitting off. And then the last wide receiver I want to talk about stefan johnson oklahoma state transfer he's a non, he's a nine-year one zero well he actually didn't really qualify i think he was too low of a recruit but he got the play over taylor setron who we were much higher on he was a high four star so which one of these guys do you prefer the most jonah wilson makai harrison pilot or the transfer stefan johnson
1: i'm probably going to be taking shots on jonah wilson just because i enjoyed the profile um you know brief overview six to two hundred <clears throat> excuse me, four-star converted quarterback Um, in his sophomore season, blew up in his senior season after he kind of settled in a little bit like that, climbed the ranks. Very versatile player. Um, really not a lot here behind Matthew Golden either. And, and like you were saying, Michael Harrison, Pir- Pilot, like when we talked about these two, they're like right back to back for each other. We just like the idea of a Houston wide receiver because there's room here for somebody to make an impact. And Michael Harrison, Pilot, was also very interesting. A guy who was very versatile, um, took some snaps out of the backfield, was using some more gadgety type roles. Kind of the same thing Stephen Johnson was kind of used at, at, at Oklahoma State as well. Um, I did look at an early depth chart, um, just projected as well. Um, but they did have Jonah Wilson, third team, Michael Harrison and Steven Johnson, second team. So, uh, yeah, so that was that was that was a little bit interesting. Again, projected depth charts at this time. We don't really know anything right. at, at this point, but it's at least something noteworthy there to to look at. Did you think Jonah Wilson's high school tape was a
0: lot of jump balls? That's kind of why I was kind of scared of his skill set.
1: I, I feel like whenever you get these converted quarterbacks, you know, or or guys who got into it a little bit later in their season, guys like even Chris Marshall or or Tyler Williams from this class as well. I feel like that's a lot of their freaking tape, man. It's just like because I think they're still refining their craft as a, as a as a converted quarterback, you know, and they're still learning their route running, so they use that size to their advantage, their athleticism to their advantage. You know, it's kind of it's it's a little bit of projection with types like that. And Mikkel Harrison-Pilot is like free in drafts,
0: by the way. I've not seen him get drafted once. For yeah, I both him. of
1: them. All three of these guys are free if you really want to take a shot.
0: Yeah. I, well, I took my shot on Harrison-Pilot. He was like the 15th round of the program, which was already depleted. So, I mean, yeah. he's like he's like dirt cheap. Um, and we don't have
1: to worry about production profile. It's Houston. They always produce like raw number-wise, so – Yeah, It's just a matter of picking out the right one. (laughs) Yeah, who's going to be the next guy to step into this role now after Matthew Golden essentially probably leaves next year, or maybe he stays for one year, but he could potentially leave next year.
0: I'm sure he leaves. But speaking of leaving, uh, running back Ultimate Caskill has transferred out to Colorado. The one running back we really cared about had a great freshman season, torn ACL. I think there was some setbacks to his recovery, but anyway, he's gone, and we're talking Houston
1: here. Is there any running back in this room we really care about? No. No, Tony Mathis, Western Virginia transfer, not really. Is this, this is where he yeah, ended up. This is where he ended up. Yeah, this is where he ended up. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Campbell, I think he used to be at USC. He transferred last year and everybody thought he was going to be the guy to take over from McCaskill, and never really ended up becoming anything. I'm not super interested in any of the guys here. Here's the one guy I will say. I'm going to go deep here. Okay. Uh, take a little shot. Uh, uh, a little bit of a sleeper that Brandon Sanders got me on when I went on his pod. Guy by the name of Parker Jenkins, a freshman this year. I can't exactly remember who it is, um, but he has. I should have checked with him honestly before we did the show. But he has some kind of connections to the coaching staff from his high school from his high school career, which could give him a little bit of an upper hand when things shake out. Um, you know, not a high ranking prospect by any means. Still needs to see some weight gain as well. I think he's around like that one eighty five area, but. Sometimes these internal connections can kind of lead to playing time. Um, so maybe just a player to keep on the radar. We'll, we'll see what happens. This is a very ambiguous room that, that somebody could climb out of to be the guy.
0: Yeah. RB 25 in the composite uh, early enrollee and from Houston,
1: Texas already. So. hometown mm-hmm.
0: kid. I so like some that He's kind, got some connection there. Yeah. 10, eight, 10, eight, 100 meter. It's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> I like that. I like that shooting from deep. Uh, all right, that's enough about Houston then. Let's go on to Texas Tech. <laughs> Texas Tech, Sean Kittley, you know, uh, have you noticed the lack of Sean Kittley hype we've had uh, on Debbie Debate? Like he was talked about once an episode for like six months. I haven't heard them mention his
1: name in forever. Zach, Zach Kiley, Kiley. by the way. Yes, but yes we talked about him so much last year because we just wanted the guy. Well, I mean, talking about the guy who came from the Western Kentucky offense with Bailey Zappi, they broke records over there, like smashed point per game all of their players were high-end CFF assets, you know, and then he comes to the power five and we're just looking for who's going to be part of his, his team this year. And it just ended up being, I think a harder transition than a lot of us a- anticipated it being. And it sh- we should have anticipated it coming from Western Kentucky, jumping into the power five now, but you know, second year in the system, maybe we start to see some of those things start to make a comeback now. I actually love watching them last year. Uh they were they beat the odds like
0: quite a bit. I can't remember what their, their spread against the spread like record was, but they kept a lot of ranked opponents within one score and I loved it. I mean they were they were definitely showcasing what Kitley does in offense. Just so much fast pace of play. For QB though, I think right now it's Tyler Shuck. Tyler Shuck is like what twenty seven, twenty eight. I mean he's old. Um, <laughs> he's actually old. I know we joke about players being old, but that's old for college. Like you need to yeah. graduate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh going over to the other guy, Baron Morton. I think he's a four star. I want to say he's entering his year three. Showcased a little bit last year. Do you do you think Baron Morton is a Debbie asset?
1: I just wanted to look it up quickly just because I wanted to see. He's gonna be turning 24 this year, by the way. So oh, is he really? I he yeah, was so super was... old. I actually thought he yeah. was hacking. Actually... <laughs> right, my bad. I apologize. Week. He'll, he'll be stars. so he'll be 25 entering the league. So it's not crazy. Um, but anyways, yeah, back to Baron Morton. Um yeah, he's a little bit of an interesting guy, highest rated quarterback in Texas Tech history. Um, so that's, that's something to hang your hat on 6'2", 210 pounds, got a little bit of size. Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, he was apparently the highest quarterback, the highest rated quarterback to, to commit to Texas Tech, uh, in their history was quarterback 11 in 247's 2021 class. He just kind of strikes me as a little bit of a college quarterback a little bit, I guess. I don't, like, I don't even know how to like really a little bit of athleticism, move around a little bit, likes to get on the move, kind of throws things late sometimes. Like, I don't think he trusts what he's seeing all the time. Um, maybe not the flashiest arm doesn't like really push the ball down the field plenty of zip like in that short intermediate area but just like not somebody I'm very in on a dev asset. like and I honestly don't think that he looked that good when he got like on the field that year last year either so I I think think, if you go ahead I think yeah he's a processing wise
0: he's like a one read type of guy seems to be panicky Mm -hmm. in the pocket like wants to scramble right away if
1: it's not there yeah, so we're seeing the same type of player then, I think. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think if you're betting on you're I think when you were betting on him, you were betting on the system, which you were hoping he was gonna like grow in and mold in, which could still happen, but I mean this is a long shot at best. I'm with you there. He's is he the only shot worth taking though in that QB room? Um, I don't know much beyond these top two names. Do you got somebody here to uh to enlighten me on? No, I really don't actually. I dro- I thought you were gonna drop. I thought you were gonna drop some like some deep shot on me or something. Another <laughs> another Hank Brown? <laughs> yeah, another Hank Brown or something. Yeah.
0: Wide receivers, though. Again, Kidly offense. The production's there. I don't. I don't think they have any wide receivers I'm interested in. I just don't. Like, I think there will be Debbie wide receivers in the future, but it's not this year, and it won't be next year either.
1: No, and it's kind of weird because we saw it be um, so concentrated at Western Kentucky. And then this year, this first year in the Power Five, it was like, what did they have, like four receivers around like the 600-yard mark? Like there wasn't really a guy who, who who, took over a little bit this year. The guy we were all like buying in on was like Miles Price a little bit, I guess, like slot wide receiver there. Like maybe – like the yeah. guy that, I, that I've that uh, i compared him to a little bit is like Jeremy Curley type ceiling at best, you know, guy who gets drafted in the NFL – handles a slot role for a bit, like, that's what, Marcus Stevenson type, like, I don't know, like, just one of those depth slot wide receivers, you know, reliable guy who keeps the trains moving. Um, you know, we just want him to be the wide res- the next wide receiver in this in this Kitley system, but you know, I, I just don't think it exactly happened. Maybe year two, it happens, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Not a fan of Loic Fungi? No. I just had to flex on campus so life. I they
0: really can't say that over there. <laughs> so... <laughs> you just wanted um, to say the name. <laughs> yeah, I, so anyway, I don't think any of these guys are really Debbie Assets. Sharan Valley is their number one returning receiver. He had something like 770 yards, 744 yards and six touchdowns on 51 receptions. five, 200, but, like, you know, he's just he's just their version of A.T. Perry, and I think that's like a ceiling comp. Like, I don't think he really is as good as A.T. Perry. So, um, yeah, it's just not there yet. Running back, Taj Brooks. Do you have any faith in Taj Brooks being a Debbie Asset here?
1: I've always been pretty underwhelmed by Taj Brooks, but I know that you've at least at some points been in his corner. So do you want to state your oh, case wow. right now? Yeah, I was least, hoping you forgot about least, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to at least give him a little bit of love because I don't have much love for him. here.
0: I think he's really shifty. Like I really do. I don't think he's got any burst or acceleration, but like that lateral agility, like make a guy miss. Great. Can't capitalize on it though. Like he can't really burst forward, but he can make guys miss. It's kind of like that. So I kind of, I thought like he was like a poor man's Damian Pierce. That's kind of what I thought he was. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, I think that now. Going into last year, I thought he was like Damian Pierce, but now I think he's more of a poor man's Damian Pierce. He's just a bowling ball, too, out there. Like he's gotten that nice, thick, round build, great size. Showcased some good pass catching ability last year, too. Um, but yeah, I just don't think he's got any of that
1: forward burst, that that acceleration. He just doesn't. Good lateral agility though. No, I mean, I mean, again, first year in the system, but under five yards per carry as well. It's kind of that's kind of yeah. like a benchmark, I guess, I set for myself that I kind of want to see to at least say that some guy is good. You know, like four yards per carry or anywhere in there it just doesn't feel that good at the college level. It just doesn't. You should be like excelling beyond that, I, I think. But I mean, I, I, again, there's there's a lot of situations where yards per carry is a bad a bad thing to to really hang your hat on. But he's just been a very underwhelming guy to me a little bit. I was. I was watching him last year because you had talked about it a little bit. and I wanted to see him step up and maybe because the live watches that I did watch, he didn't excel very well in those. Um, so maybe it, it's left a bad taste in my mouth, but yeah, not a guy that I'm, that I'm uh, very much on here.
0: He's slow. He's listed at two thirty-two. I wonder if he loses like 15 pounds. That might actually really improve his ability, but uh, he would need to lose that weight. I wanted to go back to what you said about yards per carry. I think it's okay to have like personal thresholds. That way you don't like look at a guy, you watch some tape, it just helps, it helps, it helps tell yourself, this is not it. Like, I don't need to fall in love with every single guy I watch. You know what I'm saying? You yes. can't like yeah. hang on to like certain traits. You can, you can create some personal thresholds. And, uh, and then don't tell Twitter because they'll attack you for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Here's my um, no data driven threshold, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Source <laughs> myself, yeah. dude. Myself. <laughs> uh,
0: let's head on over to Baylor. Um, there's no coaching changes here. They probably should. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> they, there's no there's no players here i really care about which really feels weird because baylor well baylor players haven't been successful in the nfl lately because it's been since rg3 and since uh josh gordon but they always get guys that get drafted tyquan Thornton. uh but there's no one here i really care about uh qbs uh blake Shapen, who also plays baseball
1: i thought he was gonna be good last year like a good collegiate qb he wasn't um, he almost lost the job this offseason, apparently i don't know well they had to they had to name him the starter uh, which I thought was weird. I, I didn't even know he was in a quarterback battle, but apparently he was. Who went over there? It was like an
0: it was a known name. Do you know?
1: I can't remember. You can look it up while I, while I filibuster, okay. at least about one sli- sleeper here. Okay. That's in uh, the wide no, wait, receiver wait. room. Let me take
0: a guess. Oh, right. you say wide receiver. I was okay. going to say, are you going to so, talk about Monterey Baldwin? A little undersized slot guy. Oh God.
1: He is a, he is a little bit more like a C2C sleeper though. But the all one right. sleeper that I'm going to talk about here is a guy that was in our Debbie guide last year. Okay. Tier seven guy. Katron Jackson, 6'2", 200 pounds, four-star prospect, one of these really, really athletic kids, uh, extensive uh, track background, relay, long jump, sprinting, triple jump, literally just missed the 100-yard year one zero threshold by three yards in year one, okay, or else we would be maybe looking at him a little bit differently um, than, than we are now. Only upped it to like a modest 300 yards in the second season with Arkansas last year. Um, But no, no pass really stood up for Arkansas. So now he's getting a new chance at Baylor now. Um, the reports are that he is manning the X position in this offense. So he's the number one wide right receiver over there. He just has a lot of upside. And at least if there's something you want to look at Baylor, I'm at least giving you a little bit of a deep sleeper here. Somebody that, at least I know me, and I know Colin liked a little bit last year. He was a guy who kind of talked me into putting him in right at the last second in the deputy guide. So just a guy to at least throw on the radar. Maybe he could do something. And then Monterey Baldwin, like you mentioned, He's just a speedy slot threat. He's five, nine hundred and seventy pounds. Not really sure how much Debbie Pinchel is there, but he's a big play threat whenever he's on the field. Just can't say healthy either, which might be attributed to that size. I, I can't endorse that with the wide receiver. But I'll to go back to the
0: quarterback here. Uh, <laughs> it's Sawyer Roberson, uh, Mississippi State transfer. He was a four star two years ago. Hasn't done anything for them, played like in three games last year, but pro typical build, six foot four guy from Mississippi State. Um, I thought it was a bigger name, honestly. I really did. So,
1: yeah, not this, just not a very exciting debut team. Like, like, running back, I mean, they had Richard Reese. Was he a true freshman last year? I believe he was, yeah, right? He was, Which, but he like weighs 170 pounds. Yes, like, he's, that's a know? that's a problem. He had a big breakout last season, over a thousand yards rushing as a freshman, but he's 5'9", 175 pounds. Like, I mean, it's just, unless, and, and I have a thing with these where it's like, Okay, small running backs. I'll give you one chance where in your first year, if I see some big growth, like we'll get into Oklahoma later, but even a guy like Gavin Sawchuk who increased 10 pounds in year one, if I could see 10 pounds from Richard Reese in year one, at least heading into this season, maybe I'll start to consider, I like the trajectory better. Oh, you add 10 year ten pounds this year, maybe another 10 pounds next year. When you're adding it late and hoping that he's going to get to there by like draft time, uh, I'm off of that. You know what I mean? So there's got to be some, some weight gain somewhere in these early years for me to even consider him a debbie prospect but hey some guys like their small guys we got guys out there you know pumping up marquise irving so maybe here's your here's your next marquise irving once he gets up there <laughs> marquise irving is listed at 210 by the way just so what know. no he's not i'm pretty sure he is you listed at 190 is he no up way. to 210 now no way Pretty sure he was listed that. I'm, Googling. I'm I'm not I'm even trying to try
0: filibuster. I'm straight
1: looking it yeah, up. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now.
0: Ah, dude, the school website. Why do they do that to us? I forgot. Baylor doesn't
1: list their, their sizes. Ah, uh, shit. Okay, well, if you go to ESPN, though, he says what? 5'10", 194 pounds. Oh, 194. You're right. Wow. Yeah. Wow, he wow, smells, wow. small as shit. He <laughs> <laughs> better hope he'll see me in the
0: parking lot. I might take his lunch money. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, this is kind of getting boring. Let's go talk about te- Texas. Yeah. No coaching changes, which is great. Uh, there's tons of depth potential here. Let's start off with the QB room. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers early, early enrolled, like early. Uh, what, what's it called? He reclassed a whole extra year. Goes to Ohio State for one year. Hands off the ball for a million bucks. I mean, what a baller! And then he goes over to Texas. Uh, QB competition between him and Hudson Card. Uh, all last year, C2C guys were all annoying because it's just like, give your number one guy all the snaps so you can be the most ready for the season. They don't help him set up for success with that. Goes into the season missing essentially half of practices, with the ones because they want to split so bad. And then he didn't put it together until Alabama, which was like week, was that, week four. Mm-hmm. Which and is the like, injury. that's fine. Yeah, and then the injury, exactly. So he looked phenomenal for, what was that, one quarter, two quarters? But he looked phenomenal for that little bit of time thinking, like, man, he just put it together, which would have been, like, his fourth game of, like, a true freshman season. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's, like, getting crucified for it. And even watching, I can't remember which game I had to watch, but I watched one of his games. No, I watched one of, I watched a Texas player's games for the Devy Guide, and it was all screenplays. And I was like, this dude is 100% injured. They didn't want throw him throwing down field. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just doing little screens because he can't throw that far because his shoulder's are all busted up. So I'm I'm in on Quinn, dude. He, Quinn is – I keep flipping him between him and Drew Aller on my ranking sheet. I really do. Like every single month,
1: I flip him. Yeah. I think I, it's a little bit unfair to say that he's like being crucified because it's like he's still an end of the first-round pick. He's still a start of the second-round pick in most cases. So I think there's still enough people out there that are still believing, which they should be. Only his first year in the system. Now we're going into the second year where he's going to gain that chemistry with guys, getting all the practice reps. Hopefully, you know, there was times too, where he made the right read. Like, he had Xavier Worthy open. He had Jordan Whittington open. He had a guy open, and then just like slightly overthrew him, or underthrew him, or the, the ball was just there yeah, and drops. the drops too. Like so, it was just a year that I feel was like a building year for this team in a new system, gaining the chemistry. I think year two is going to be going to be a lot better for him. So I'm really big on that too. Um, I, I think that w- there's been a lot of talk about Quinn Ewers. There's also been a lot of talk about the other freshman here, Arch Manning. Um, you know. Top five pick or first round pick, at least in, in supplemental drafts, a uh, guy that came from a lower level of competition. We're a little bit worried to see how he's going to transition to this next level of competition, which is why we're a little bit lower on him as a company than than other people. But again, betting against a Manning is going to be hard. Here's the guy I want to ask you about, though. Malik Murphy. Do you have him ranked for Debbie? Oh, I used to. I was in on him as a rookie. I think he was
0: a top 10 yeah. guy for me. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so I recently, I took a look at my rankings. I'm moving them around a little bit. I think supplemental season is really good because it makes you ask the hard questions in your ranking sometimes because now you're actually drafting these guys and you're looking and and you're looking at it. And, well, this guy I've ranked first, but I actually kind of want this guy, like, three spots a little bit lower, a little bit more. You know what I mean? So I actually ended up taking Malik Murphy a little bit higher than I expected to in the Program 5 uh, conference uh, draft. I moved him up to my late 30s for Debbie quarterbacks. Um, you know, 6'5", 240 pound guy, rifle for an arm, throws a beautiful ball. He was quarterback nine in, in 247's class last year. So I feel like he's a little bit of a forgotten man with Ewers and Manning around, but he could transfer somewhere, start and do a lot for his, for his, uh, for his potential. When he had that spring game and he had that very good spring game, showed off the arm talent, hit that big, long touchdown. His, uh, his phone apparently couldn't stop buzzing with potential transfer destinations. So I'm pretty hopeful of where this guy could end up by next year, because I don't know if he's going to stick around with Manning and with Manning around either.
0: We just talked about a bunch of potential teams: Houston, Baylor.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's some teams on on that last on that last six year quarterback where he could he can make a nice option for a lot of teams. Yeah, and
0: I don't know if he's got the girlfriend effect in play, but you know, not that far down the road, You can take a trip. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I actually just ranked him now. I just put him at my QB 50.
1: So put him. We're we're getting Gus Meyer yeah we'll move him up slowly i'll keep i'll keep prodding you a little bit as we keep talking (laughs) it'll work i used to come to peer pressure all the time (laughs)
0: um let's go over to let's let's talk about arch a little bit um would you say would you say that he has the cleanest mechanics out of the freshman class
1: i think i'd be comfortable saying that i think when i watched his tape and you watched it where that line set him up really good had a clean pocket Everything looked really good—the footwork, the delivery, how quick the ball came out, the accuracy—even like he's definitely probably the cleanest mechanically. I think maybe rif- maybe rivaling Dante Moore a little bit, but probably between those two, probably the two cleanest prospects. I think.
0: Yeah. So I yeah, definitely agree. That's definitely the competition with Dante Moore on that one. So um,
1: where do you have him ranked on this out of the freshman class? Just the freshman class. Out of the freshman class, I believe he's my four. I've recently moved up Nico to three um jackson arnold we'll get into a little bit later when we talk about oklahoma he's at my yeah. five now so i've got my okay. manning right there at four
0: i like manning at three personally but you know Ooh, it's, they're I all like the it. same here though
1: hard yeah. to bet hard to bet against a manning it really is because he's gonna have every tool at his arsenal to to become a better quarterback
0: i hate the bloodline argument and i went on i talked about it in the
1: big 10 recording so you'll get you'll get there when you get there i think, record, it's, but- diff- I think it's different sometimes because Athletic traits don't necessarily pass down. So like a running back isn't exactly going to be encapsulated in his, in, in in his kid or whatever like that with a quarterback, there's so much mechanical to it that I think it's one position that, you know, having a bloodline relative who's done a lot of this already that can, actually, that this is one position where I think it can help more so than a wide receiver, more so than a running back. Cause like those guys, everybody's built differently, but quarterbacks, it's so much more, more mechanically that I think that you, you can really get a step above with, with, with help from Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. I just hope, I don't know if you paid into the college football college basketball, but when Zion
0: Williams was in, in college, that's mm-hmm. all ESPN, ESPN would talk about every single day. I hope he doesn't hit that level of fame because then I'll start rooting against him just to get off my screen.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it seems like he's the number one people for a lot of guy, but I like how we've stayed strong a little bit on what we've seen on tape on, and some of the red flags in his profile. I mean, we could look like idiots, but we've at least got him up there.
0: <laughs> he was he was way too high, and then the market over overcorrected itself. And I think I think it'll equalize after a year. Um, but let's head on over to the wide receiver room, which is much better than Penn State's wide receiver room, by the way. Uh, Xavier Worthy, he's a speedy deep threat type of guy. Um, he needs to clean up the drops, and that's really about it. Corey, I'm going to make this statement. I just want you to react to it. Xavier Worthy
1: at the next level is Will Fuller that's so funny that's exactly what i was gonna say i think that's actually a comp somewhere right 247's comp for, for him is that what it is no I, I got no idea dude I, I i'm not sure either that or he's kind of like deshaun jackson-y maybe am i am i being non original again i don't know i feel like that's somewhere in there but yeah he's definitely that type of player i think i don't I, i'd like to see him evolve more i'd like to see him like Used a little bit more in the short to intermediate areas, some other types of things like that. But the main thing we have to see cleanup is is the drops, which he attributes to a hand injury last year. We'll see if it actually holds any. It's true. been two years in a row. I'm not believing that hand. I think that's code speak. I really, do. I really, I really do as well. I think he's just trying to give an excuse for himself. But whatever makes him feel better at the end of the day, that's fine. Let's move on to the other guys, though. So, Ad Mitchell, Isaiah Neor, Jonte Cook. I well, I mean, I don't even have to talk about Jonte Cook because he's going to be right after Xavier Worthy, maybe even above him. Actually, do you, actually, I'll ask you that right now: Xavier Worthy or Jonte Cook? I think I'd rather Jonte Cook. I think he has a much really? higher ceiling. I think he has yeah. a higher
0: ceiling. Yeah, I have Jonte ranked at wide receiver nine right now.
1: Um, I can't remember exactly, but I know I'm pretty sure I still have Worthy just like one or two spots. I had Ajante Cook for now, just because a little bit of the freshman fever. Like maybe I just want to see it on the field a little bit and I want to just hold back a little bit. I'm just see but still very high, high ranking up there. But the other guys, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Naor, DeAndre Moore. How do you rank those three in terms of Debbie? Oh, man. Um Isaiah
0: Nayor is at the very bottom coming off an ACL okay. injury. He's got a very similar profile to A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell is a much better athlete and also not coming off an ACL injury. So give me A.D. Mitchell over Nayor. But then DeAndre Moore, I just think I just think there's room on the field for him. I mean, he's talented. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he's gonna be a year one zero this year, but he wouldn't be if he stayed
1: at like Louisville, where he was initially uh committed to. Yeah, I think I'm with that too. John Jay Moore, I'm I'm very concerned about his year one zero prospects, especially after the right. transfer of, of AD Mitchell and stuff like that coming in. If he didn't come in, I'd feel better because then you got Isaiah Neor He's going to be slow off the ACL, and then your other competition is just Jordan whittington who's like a slot guy, and then Chonte a blocker. Cook. They keep yeah. talking about his blocking, which is just I think that's so insulting for a wide receiver. <laughs> Who Jordan whittington uh, do you, Yeah, do you was like it's a great blocker. There is still a, a small faction out there I know that are still Jordan Whittington believers. This guy was like excellent in high school. He played both sides of the ball, defensive and offense. I remember his championship game, he scored six touchdowns, um had like two inter- had like an interception, had like six sacks, two pass breakups, like ran for three touchdowns, caught two other ones. Like he was all over the place. And he was going to play running back for for Texas coming in. He was going so high in all the Devi drafts. And then he just kind of then he moved back to wide receiver and he's kind of had this this um this career where he hasn't been able to settle on a position. But like there is still some interesting athletic ability there. I just wish he would have settled on something and we would have got like him honing his skills somewhere. But now he just kind of seems like he's he's in the middle. You know what I mean? Not not really a guy I'm super excited about. Yeah, I'm with
0: you there. So we both agree Eddie Mitchell over Isaiah
1: Nayor, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean I don't even like I didn't even like Isaiah Nayor when people liked Isaiah Nayor. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so cool back in the day. Um
1: oh, I give me give me some projection on on ad mitchell oh i don't know man he's super raw i wrote his profile last year i didn't do it this year i think colin wrote it this year but what i saw was a very raw player who sometimes freelances his routes like he kind of seems like he's all over the place um Footwork is a little bit sloppy, but he's tremendous at the catch point. He has a natural ability to catch the ball, which is like these acrobatic catches, catching it away from his frame, one-handed over a defender. He has that natural ability, which is kind of like Traylon Burksian, kind of George Pickens-ish, which I think people were very attracted to, but it's all the other stuff. I don't think he's athletically at the same par. I think he's, I think he's a fine mover, and I think he has athleticism, but I don't think he's up to that level of like Burks or Pickens. I'm, I'm worried at this point entering year three now with an injury in tone, whatever, if we're ever going to see him become the player, we hope he can, by the time he goes to the draft, or if he's just going to be this raw prospect, I think he's going to be a raw prospect. That's where my projection is. So he's not somebody that I target very often.
0: No, I'm with you there. I think he's very unrefined. And I think, you nailed it there with the um, body adjustment, acrobatic catches there. Like that's what his calling card is. And that's yeah. what his tape looks like. So, like, he's not much of a yak threat. I don't really ever see him do anything with yak. He he weighs 190 pounds at six foot four. Yeah, like. he's also
1: skinny. Yeah, he's also yeah, like skinny. Yeah, like, you
0: can't win the physical game at the next level like that. You know, like, it's cool if you can do it against, like, big what, what – we're talking about the, the Big Lebowski Conference. was this? Big 12. It's cool if you can do it against Big 12 competition. But, like, every corner in the NFL is peak in their athleticism, you know? Like, they're all peak athletes. Like, it's, he can bully around the number two corners if he wants And the Big 12. It's not going to be the same at the NFL level. Dante Cook, um, tier one freshman wide receiver for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same here. You should feel good about that pick, too, and where, where you get him. It feels really safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, you really can't say that, but it, it does feel safe. Let's go on to the running back room. This room is pretty filled with, with Debbie Talent, Cedric Baxter, Jonathan Brooks. Jayden filled Blue. with Debbie
1: Talon. You're giving Jonathan Brooks way too much credibility there.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's answer this question. Who's the starting running back for Texas week one?
1: Week one, the yes. guy who takes the guy who takes the first carry might be Jonathan Brooks. Okay, who takes? The might majority? be. John- it might be Jonathan Brooks, or it might be Jadon Blue. That's where I would say my first two are going. I don't go think
0: ahead. the first. It's Say your spiel for Jadon Blue, because I know you're a
1: fan. I know you're... you're I know. I'm actually... No, I was actually the guy last year who wasn't as high as everybody else. I just, like, now it's more, like, realistic in a sense, especially where his prices and stuff like that. And then he started to show some flash. His tape was good last year. Let's not... I'm not going to say anything it was. He reminded me of Alvin Kamara when I watched him on tape. The slipperiness, the way he bounced off tackles, his receiving ability. That was, like, the comp- comparison that I made when I watched. Them was I thought he had some Alvin Kamara to him. The weight change was was obviously a bad thing, but it's nice to see after only one year, he is flashing a little bit. Um, so I think if you were a believer, there are some signs there that you can get behind. But now you're getting them in like the seventh, the eighth round, maybe ninth round. I feel like that's totally fine to take a shot on a guy that we think has a lot of talent. I do think his talents can
0: the, the size. We talk about like Richard Reese and his 170. Like he's also small yeah. one ninety.
1: The thing that, that I'd like though is it. that he was at 205 at one point right so do we believe that he was though do you believe that i hope so i hope so (laughs) (laughs) So, i'm gonna choose to believe it that he was at some point which tells me that he has the frame to get there again i just don't know what's happened over these past two years that he's managed to drop the weight a little bit but he's not too far off he's like what 194 195 or something like that i thought he was 190
0: so he might be around there yeah I'll look that up, though. Uh, I do want to ask you this question, though. Cedric Baxter, RB1 across the board here for us at Game of Scan. And Some people have, I think some people have Justice Haynes, but, you know, tier one guy probably across the board for everybody here. Yeah. Do You think he's the lead running back, you know, by
1: the end of the year? Like, he's taking majority of carries. I think there is the potential for that, yeah. I think, I've said it often on the show uh, before, I think that he's a situation where the cream rises to the top. And I think that he is the most talented guy here. I think he'll push for major time by halfway through the season. He'll start flashing early in the season. Once he gets in there, because it's a very unsettled room. And then by halfway through, they won't be able to get him off the field. So I think I think uh I think Jonathan Brooks
0: starts. I do like I think Jonathan Brooks is kind of slept on as a collegiate running back. Like I think he can be a really good collegiate running back. Stop it. You said I dead. comped you, him to I comped to Bucky Irving. I think he can get drafted like <laughs> yeah. for like day three. I don't know if I'm holding my breath, he does anything, but like I think he gets drafted day three. Um I think he has the majority share this year, but obviously I think Cedric Baster takes over from him by the end of the year. And I think Jadon Blue's just gonna be left out. You know, I think he's gonna be the third running back there. So I, I think he has to transfer out if he wants to be even thought of as relevant.
1: I don't think go. I don't think he holds on to the job through halfway season. Wanna make wanna <sighs> make a right. bet on it? Snowblower or, or long we'll board? have this argument at least one of the month, probably the next <laughs> one time. home one home field parallel purchase by halfway through <laughs> okay. the season. I'm using, yeah. using our campus to Canton. That's campus number two, Canton, 15% off on your home field purchase. Let's do that. If if Jonathan Brooks holds this job through halfway through the season, I'll buy you something. All right, sounds good. Okay, that's a deal. <laughs> All right, let's go <laughs> on a tight end. Your favorite tight end, Mr. Jatavian Sanders. Why don't you tell the people yeah. why you think he should be in consideration for tight end one? So, JT Sanders was,
0: well, I'll say Jatavian because I'm talking about him as a recruit. Jatavian Sanders as a recruit was uh the number one overall athlete five-star guy talked about as a elite defensive end talent uh comes to texas talk about moving him to to tight end which he played a little bit in high school too but again everyone assumed he was gonna be defensive end his only snaps were special teams he had like you know two or three blocking snaps really about it but he comes on and he looks good he's clearly the safety blanket option for Quinn Ewers in this offense he transitioned well with the ball in his hands. He's already six foot four, two forty six, I believe, is the weight. So he's got that pro size weight, but he's also a proven blocker too. So he is a complete skill set, but also offers a plus in the passing game because not it's not just like he knows when to make himself a dump off, like like Gavin Bar- Bartholomew with um with uh, Pitt, like that guy. I remember how he's like efficient, but mm-hmm. all his like passing stuff was like one or two a dot like he would just block the p- play was taking too long and he'd make himself an option and then he would get the ball J- jt sanders can run routes he's a threat not only in the short area but also in the intermediate so i like jt as a i think he's gonna he should be talked about as a tight end one next year brock bauer should win the argument just because his dynamic like athletic ability but if we're talking complete skill set jt is the most complete tight end going to next year's draft
1: yeah i think i'll give you my one hang up with jt when i've looked into him a little bit is and maybe this is a transition from playing defense maybe not just being honed in on his craft a little bit is sometimes it's his hands sometimes they're late sometimes they're he's dropped balls at times only seven percent drop rate last year so it's not terrible it's not like something that's overly concerning but i think for a tight end that's the one thing that you trust them to be is when they're you know when they're in coverage, you're just going to throw it up to your guy. That's your safety outlet. That's your, that's your, your outlet valve. Um, So I want to see him be a little bit stronger at the catch point um, and and bring in those balls, um, you know, timing it a little bit better. It seemed like the timing was off when he was putting those hands up or too early or, or, or things like that. I think this just all comes from honing his craft as a tight end compared to like you know playing defensive end and whatever else so i still like him quite a bit i I have brock bowers ahead of him my, my only tier one guy but jt sanders is right there at the top of my two i think they believe i think they belong
0: in the same tier but i do agree bowers would be ahead i am a little concerned about his size we already talked about during the sec thing though so yeah um and also, I think you're right about the hands, too. And I think who's ever in charge of the PFF for Texas is lying about drops because Xavier Worthy had a lot more drops, too. G-T oh, is yeah, absolutely, with- absolutely. JT's yeah. only credited with four. Like, I, I do think it's a little bit more than that, if I remember right. Yeah. So um, someone's lying over there.
1: He had four in the bowl game alone. Like. <laughs> he, he had
0: eight between two games, uh, Xavier yeah. Worthy did. But, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, let's get on to it, though. Let's talk about Oklahoma, dude, the Red River few I actually forgot what it's called because I keep making fun of it now. I'm at the point now where I ironically get it wrong. Like I unironically it's Red River Rivalry. But do you remember when I used to call the Oklahoma State versus Texas State as uh was it? The Orange Creek feud versus <laughs> the Red, Red River rivalry. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Just get <laughs> on with it, man. All right. Oklahoma. <laughs> no coaching changes. Um I have an important question to ask you actually at the end of this. I don't want to do it now yet, but let's talk about the QB room. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I get made fun of for this because um, I didn't realize he was f- five foot ten, like 170. Dude's always hurt. Like, he's a really good – I think he's a middle-of-the-road to decent collegiate QB. Um, but Jackson Arnold seems to be, like, a traits upgrade over Dylan Gabriel across the board. And also, just speaking about this, Dylan Gabriel gets hurt a lot. I think we'd actually see a healthy amount of Jackson Arnold this year, mostly because of injury, though.
1: Yeah, we saw them last year when they when um Dylan Gabriel did get hurt. They had freaking Eric Air, Air Gray playing uh some quarterback, wow, dude, some ball Everyone Brayden but Willis. Nick Ever playing. <laughs> yeah. <versus> Brayden Willis <laughs> was playing some quarterback. Like it was just like anybody they could throw back there. So it, that's definitely a chance here, you know. And Jackson Arnold, he's an interesting guy. Like I said, he's my five in my in my quarterback tiers. Uh, in my rankings for that, for that top tier, he maybe feels like a solidified five though. Like I feel like I've moved around the, guy, the other guys and I feel good with him at five, almost to the point where it's like, I feel like there's a top four, then there's Arnold, then there's everybody else. Does, yeah, does, does no, that sound would, crazy to you? Yes. But I do like think like once everything's said and done, the NFL draft rules
0: around three years from now, one or two guys in that group of everyone else, like there's like six or seven guys we all talk about. Yeah. I think one of the, one or two of those guys leave Jackson Arnold. I don't think Jackson Arnold's an NFL talent. Um, Ooh, okay or trait i know this is projecting and this is just you know i'm not trying to count him out yet again he's also my five the dude is smaller you know mm-hmm. and i don't know if he's like an elite scrambler by elite scrambler i mean like i'm trying to think about who i think like like jordan travis i think jordan travis is like an elite scrambler i don't know if he's like that level of scrambler I and mean, he can definitely extend the play the way like dylan gabriel can but
1: yeah at the nfl level i don't know if, if he has the tools to be successful there at 6'2", 205, too, like I'm sure that's a weight that or that's a size that like Matt Corral was listed at at some point in his career. You know what I mean? And I wonder if there's a little bit of similarities there with their little bit of mobility to them. maybe not the most craziest athlete. But I'll be honest, watching the spring games, we, we talked about it when we, when we did our spring game reviews. I think he probably looked the most rattled of the top tier quarterbacks, to be oh, honest. I don't
0: think he's six foot two. I remember him as recruiting listed yeah. at six one, oh, and then on on three here he's listed at six foot and a half.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I compared it to Matt Corral because Matt Corral at some point was probably listed at this, and then came in at what six foot two oh five? Like wasn't that what he came in at during at the combine? And he, I like for so. like his whole career he was listed at like six one six. Yeah, I, I think
0: like ceiling. Like I think maybe you're looking at if Sam Howell didn't have that injury attached to him, like that's what his ceiling
1: is. You know, like. Yeah, and Sam Howell is 225 freaking pounds. He was like a – he was a stocky guy. Yeah, so
0: I'm a little bit worried about what his ceiling actually is, but collegiate quarterback should be great and should be an early starter, too. you don't have to wait too long for him to get that role. Yeah. Wide receivers, I don't like anyone here. And I know we had discussions during the Debbie guy talking about Jalil Farouk, uh, who was a year one zero, and I turned on his tape. I really didn't when he was a year one draw, like I was like, I don't need to watch him, he's a year one zero but I'm going to do a turn on his tape because I I know we have some fans of him at the site here. I thought he was like a discount version of Debo. Like I thought like, that's what he was like. He's he's a yak guy.
1: That's a nice thing to say.
0: (laughs) I think he's a yak guy that struggles to create space on his own, create separation on his own, really only operates in the shallow area of the field. Even in, even in the intermediate, I'm a little bit, I think he's a little bit skeptical and I don't think it's a deep there at all. Like 0%, but I, I think, I think he's a he's a guy that want to get the ball in their hands. Like, you know, just screenplays and like, Jet sweeps. Like that's what they want him to do. So like a gadgety player. A
1: oh he's i think he's a much worse version than Puka Nakua. Okay, maybe that that's probably more maybe along the lines. Six one two oh three. Like he's got some decent size to him. There is some decent yak ability there, you know. Um used on some end around, some direct snap stuff. So um he does have some intrigue to him, but again, not a guy that's being drafted like super high or anything. Like you could probably get him like end of year drafts if he's somebody that you really want to take a shot on he should be the one here this year they use him pretty seldom in the spring game when he was out there he was with the first team he did end up catching a a touchdown that game as well so he's everything lines up for him to be the one and i think the thing with him being the number one and this offense being one that produces numbers is that i don't know who the hell else is going to catch balls here you know you've got andrelle anthony uh wide receiver um transferred over from michigan
0: that's right
1: um, made some flashes for Michigan as a freshman. Um, it was everybody's favorite breakout star going into last year. Didn't do anything last year. Didn't follow one up game. With anything. One game
0: yeah. a year. That's where he shows up. One, game yeah. Up. Santa Claus, bro. Santa Claus.
1: Exactly. So now he comes here. Maybe we'll see if he can rebound. Keon Brown was a freshman we were very excited about. He's going the JUCO route now. Some, ac- some uh, academic uh, eligibility issues there. So he's the guy that we're not worrying about anymore. That really leaves their other freshmen this class which we were lower on than the services but was a very high-ranking recruit that's Jaquay's pedaway or Jaquay Jaquay's pedaway 511 100 yeah 170 pounds um we didn't like him that much uh um as a team i didn't either he's kind of in the mold of like a jalen hyatt i want to say like straight line burner, um not a ton of wiggle not a ton of like make you miss ability in the open field but high end speed 10.500 meter times top 100 recruit four-star kit he's going st- like stupid late in drafts right now um so if you did want to take a shot on someone in this room who could maybe p- become something there might be some opportunity here for him uh, at least maybe somewhere in the near future because there's just really nothing else here i i'm gonna
0: go over to running backs i like, got and i i just i'm so excited about this question i want to ask you but anyway let's talk about running backs for a sec you when we talked about baylor you talked about guys gaining 10 pounds of weight like that first year and kind of being in on them i think gavin Saulchuk has put on mm-hmm. weight he looked Great in that bowl game. I mean, it's a bowl game. It's kind of just when I have starters, but he looked good at the
1: end. Of, at, at the end of the year, are you in on Gavin Salchuk? Here's the weird thing with him is I've always pictured him as like an ex- like explosion is a is a part of his game. And I'm not going to put too much on a spring game, but when he did get his chance this spring, now coming in with the ten extra pounds, I didn't find him that explosive in the spring game. And I'm just hoping that that was just some kind of spring game thing, or they were being very vanilla with their calls that. You know, I was just expecting some kind of flash from him. I didn't get it. That that kind of was, was depressing a little bit, but I am a little bit more in on him because of the weight game, because of some of that ability we saw in that in that game last year. I was pretty excited about Javante Barnes overall, like coming into this year, until we got the the dead bone issue that's that's popping up now. Seems like it's gonna be a long-term issue for him. Something that's like not gonna bother him all the time, but something that could pop up you know, periodically throughout his career that could give him some issues, might need to get like surgically repaired at some point or something like that. So he seemed to have the upper hand given his workload last year. Oklahoma can stop raving about him. Uh, Nate Marquise, our our resident Oklahoma guy, he was talking about him behind the scenes early last spring that they loved him. Um I think there's still a chance he's the lead back as long as he's healthy coming into the year. But this injury just leaves a lot in the up in the air. So you know it, it it's fine to pivot over to to Sawchuk over here can catch a few passes, can do a little bit. But I'm still, like, if both were healthy, I'd still be in on Javante Barnes more.
0: This is a question for David at Solving Football or any other PT that's on football Twitter. There's, like, a lot of them, by the way. Um Like, it's kind of weird how many there are. But I believe the dead bone injury is, like, that's, like, that's it. Like, that's, it. that's like,
1: almost like a Liz Frank. Was it Liz Frank that was, like, this season? No. Yeah, that's, like... That's, like, the, the one that, that never goes away, that you're consistently yeah. dealing with it, like, forever. Yeah, that and that's kind of the thing with him. That's why... But we haven't really gotten any concrete reporting that that's what it is. So, it, I, it I, even,
0: I don't even... I don't think he looked that good last year either. I mean, he looked fine. Like, he looked fine. But, like, in my rankings, just for his class, I think he's, like, RB 20 to 15. And he's always has been between that range, you know? I never yeah. moved him up or down. Um, And then, Kaleeb Hicks, the... True freshman, I watched him a while ago. I don't have any recollection of him. I know the guys at campus life are pumping him up. I don't think I was ever that thoroughly impressed and it feels like it feels like he's getting elevated because everything else around him just isn't that good.
1: Yeah, I don't really have any strong, strong feelings on on Hicks. I watched him during the spring game. Didn't really flash there as well. Caught a few passes. Looked a little, struggled as a rusher. Everybody struggled as a rusher that game as well, though. But um, I know Austin's been pretty high. I think he's a top 10 guy for Austin. So it's definitely a guy that you can keep on your radar, especially with some of the injury troubles here. Like if, if Barnes things pops up, if Sawchuck doesn't become the guy who can be the lead guy, maybe there's a, there's a realm here for Hicks to get in here and make some noise as well. But um i'm definitely betting on the other two i think uh, i'm worried that hicks is the type of guy that with with some of their recruiting pedigree they get over there that will get recruited over sooner than later
0: um and then going into oh i just want to mention last year's wide receivers for oklahoma uh nick anderson didn't like get a single snap i think jane gibson didn't either um i want to ask you this question this is what i want to talk about this is what i really want to talk about Oklahoma always seems like a school that's talked about in the Debbie space. They always have at least a handful of guys that we think are Debbie relevant. Me and you just rolled through all these guys and we really weren't too thrilled about any of these options here. I think I think Oklahoma has like reached its shelf life for Debbie, at least for the next three years. I just I don't think I don't think we're gonna see any guys we truly care about coming
1: out of Oklahoma for some time. It's possible they're a are a team going through a lot of transition once um, Lincoln Riley left, right? And Lincoln Riley, you know, brings in the hot quarterback recruits. Then all the all the big time recruits want to go over there and play with the big time quarterbacks. Then they were putting up massive numbers over there. Um, so I think this transition is what's what worried recruits a little bit, or or maybe they're not, you know, backfilling it with the, the amount of talent that we are, were accustomed to seeing over here. But I think you know. There were some good signs last year. I think they'll continue to build. They've got Jackson Arnold in here now. Um, I think they'll continue to build forward. And, and I think th- they'll eventually get back to to the team that we remember them as. But I think it's just a little bit of transition this year right now, going from Lincoln Riley to um, Levy now. But, I mean, it's, it's very hard to follow Lincoln Riley's footsteps. So they lost – sorry
0: they lost with it five six seven seven games last year seven games one two three seven yeah they're games.
1: like six and something or seven and something right
0: yeah and then about four of those were one score
1: games and again I actually, a team that like lost their quarterback for two games as well like they didn't even put up a point against texas yeah but i don't know if it's gonna i think they're gonna get destroyed
0: in the sec i really do like if there's an under yeah. bet i'm probably taking it for oklahoma next year i don't know what it's gonna be but i I'm worried about their long term. I just want to throw it out there. I think for a school that was just such a I can't say juggernaut, but they're definitely like a tier one like Debbie producing school. Mm-hmm. I don't I have like no faith in the near future for them. Or or long term honestly. Well, long term hasn't like three years. So uh sorry, beating that one with a dead horse here. Let's go to Oklahoma State, our last school for tonight or today, whenever you're listening, Oklahoma State, no coaching changes,
1: any QBs. No, I have no well we don't we almost didn't have any, have any players written here. You didn't anyways. I added a few after yeah, I did. Um, he did mix up Oregon State and Oklahoma State and wrote Aiden Child. don't have to tell picture. people that. <laughs> 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 and then I just wrote LOL. I have to tell the people. It's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But either way, I do that too all the time. I always mix up those two. But anyway, yeah, uh, nobody here it. for yeah, quarterbacks. The only guy, if I want to shoot from deep a little bit, the guy that's been talked about the most this spring, probably maybe the future of this program, is a, a true freshman there. They got Zane Flores, 6'3", 200 pounds, three-star kid, played – really low level of competition doesn't stand out physically, but I will just say uh, Mike Gundy has produced some pretty good CFF quarterbacks. You know, Spencer Sanders was a top quarterback while during his time there. So if you're going to invest in the future here, late in like your C2C drafts or something, and you want to just target a guy who could possibly be the future of this program, like 35 plus round range. If you wanted to Zane floor is maybe a guy to put on your radar, at least.
0: Okay, look, I they they had Dominic Richardson who I he left, right? Dominic Richardson left yep. the team.
1: He's with he's actually who did he go to? Is he with Baylor now? Know. He's he's with the he's with a team that we talked about today, and I can't remember. I think it was, I was
0: Baylor, saying. yeah. This yeah. dude is the college version of Jamal Williams, where he's getting no like real rushing production. Like you know, you need four yards, he's getting you three and a half. You need like three yards, the dude's still getting you three and a half. Like, don't expect mm. him to do anything more or less than that. And he has eight touchdowns on the year. I mean, the dude was the college version of jamal adams i i don't know dude i i don't like any of the running backs here but i, I know you're somewhat a fan of ollie gordon so you go ahead and talk about ollie
1: Gordon. Ollie absolutely i am a fan of ollie gordon 6'1 211 pounds four-star kid um was one of my favorite underrated freshmen last year i wrote his evie guide uh profile for the past two years he did touch the field much in year one only like three something offensive snaps till till week 11 this year but Became the starter at health for the last two games of the season. It honestly looked like the best back they had all year. It makes you, made you wonder why he didn't touch it anymore. He touched it 31 times over those last two games, 192 yards and two touchdowns, just under 6.5 yards per carry. Very aggressive running back, runs hard, uh, bounces off ca- off contact. Maybe not the most sudden type of guy, but smart at the line of scrimmage, presses the hole, does a lot of things really well, even showed off some pass catching um, during some of those recruitment ca- uh, camps. Mike Gundy is just like... It, notoriously hard on these freshmen he's been hard on him um, with his comments in the media as well um, the most veteran guy which Mike Gundy tends to lead to r- right now is Jaden Nixon who's like a buck 90 as well um so I think there's a chance that Gordon is finally becomes like the cream of this room and, and gets to the top and let's not forget Gundy's track record here got Chris Carson Justice Hill Jalen Warren Chuba Hubbard I'm not saying any of those guys are studs but All four of those guys were super productive in college. All four of those guys got drafted into the NFL and have roles in the NFL now. I mean, Justice Hill's maybe the the weakest one of the group here, but Jalen Warren's an immediate backup. Chuba Hubbard's an immediate backup. Chris Carson was a starter for like a bunch of years. Um, So, I mean, you get some production out of this. Maybe it's not super high end, but just I'm hoping Gordon is that next guy. You know, if not this year fully, then at least by next year, hopefully when he becomes the more veteran guy like Mike Gundy likes.
0: I have a very opposite opinion on his rushing ability. I don't think he's good at all down the middle. I think he's really suffering his
1: contact. I'm looking at, like, his – I might have pulled up his statue just to confirm my opinion here because it's been a minute. I I think you're crazy. I'm going to send you you, – You got to watch the last two games before you even come at me with this. Well,
0: West Virginia,
1: like, I will watch it because I I trust your analysis ability.
0: But, like, outside of West Virginia and, like, uh, what was it, Arkansas, Alpine, whatever it's called, I think he averaged less than three yards a carry. I think his calling card is his receiving ability. And I want to say a couple months ago, me and you reached middle ground by saying that his ceiling, like his ceiling is probably Richard white.
1: Yeah, that's, possibly. That's- I don't even know if he's as, as athletic as that
0: though. Yeah. And that's, that's my yeah. concern too. So I, I don't, I think he's,
1: I think he's more power run. back. I think he has more power to him though. Oh, I think I think he's, I, so I think he's a guy that can put I no he's, man. You gotta watch I'll watch, watch. The game. I'll watch the game. again. I thought he was yeah. soft serve.
0: I thought he was the um
1: no, that's just your favorite the, term the right Kevin now. Kevin Durant,
0: the Kevin Durant of no.
1: that's just of your favorite next. term right now. You need
0: to go watch the game. All right. Corey, that wraps it up, dude. We didn't talk a single Kansas team, so I don't know why I wrote that in the show sheet at the top of my paper, but we talked about the barbecue states. Join us next week. We're going to talk about the other half of the Big 12. And don't forget to check out home field apparel, vintage like sports apparel from all your favorite colleges. It's all there. With promo code CAMPUS, number two, and then CANTON, you'll get 15% off. Check out that website. From Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.